Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This premier independent fan experience podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and brings you honest and in-depth Montreal Canadiens discussion and entertainment. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudney are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the No Names and players currently making a name. And welcome to episode 129 of Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Putney. I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Good evening. So Matt Smith is not with us in this episode. He is working, in air quotes, being Air Force. It's hard to decide whether or not that actually is true or some kind of weird mirage. Either way, he's not here. So with him not being here, we can actually ask this. Treg, how was your week? My week wasn't bad. It was pretty good. I went to work. I came home. I, I tried to watch hockey games, but there was none on. So. Exactly. But at least we get to ask you how you, how it was. Someone uh, on Twitter a... actually said they cared. They wanted to yes. know they cared. That was Matthew. Matthew said he Matthew. Yeah. yeah. But Matt took up all the time, so I, I couldn't get yeah. it out there. But my, my week was good, if anyone's wondering. It was a good week. It was, uh, I you know, the gym was good to me. The, the You know, 
Like, that's good. Yeah. Um, I am basically starting my posting slump. So it's time to you, time to kick you, back and where you posted. Anywhere else is uh, exactly fine by me. But is it a posting or a getting rid of you? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you know when you're just fed up of being in one place? Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm done. Let me I just I just want to go. I'm yeah. there. That that's so, that's where I'm at. Sounds like my marriage. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it doesn't listen, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. If she did, you'd be in deep shit. Ah, no more than I already am. Which is true. Uh, I have seen the kind of stuff that uh, you get in trouble for. So, you know, I get it. Anyway, enough uh, jibber jabber. This week's episode, well, this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the canceled games, uh, some media members putting both feet in their mouths and then chewing them. Uh, A little bit about uh, Jordan Harris and Harris decided to stay in college, some trade deadline and Tim Peel being fired. No, being sent home with pay. So let's just uh, let's just kick this off right off the top and talk about what happened this week with the Canadians. And that is nothing really. I mean, everything's just hunky dory fine. It's not like uh, they canceled all the games through the entire week, all the entire three games set against Edmonton and one game against Ottawa due to COVID with two players being on the COVID list, Yoel Armia and Jesperi Katkanyemi. So there's uh, there's a little bit of talk about that. Uh, Treg, uh, some people seem to think that hockey players are in an actual bubble. We know better. No. <clears throat> so hockey players in Montreal uh, do exactly what we do. Uh, they go to work. And they come home and the wife goes, Hey, we need, you know, pita bread. And then they go to the grocery store they get pita bread and then, you know, maybe diapers if they have a baby. So they, they do go out and they do need to do things. And I mean, maybe some of them hire people to do it for, I don't know, but just like you and I, we go to a job, we come home, we do our daily things every day. This isn't like what it was last year when they had the bubble. That's why they called it the bubble. Uh, this isn't a bubble. Now, when they go on the road, they do kind of stay in a bubble because it's from the hotel to the rink, back to the hotel. But that's not really a bubble. I mean, the people that are working in the hotels and on the chartered flights, they're not isolated as well because that's what a bubble is. It's everybody isolated in an area with, you know, if they're going to be passing goods through a sanitized door, but that's not what we have here. Now, in the rink, there are bubbled areas. For instance, the Canadians' locker room is just for the Canadians and the Canadian staff members. Laval's locker room is just for Laval and Laval staff members. Yeah. The visitors just, and they don't really interact anywhere in the arena except to go to the dressing room and to the bus or wherever there is they're going to go. So there's mini bubbles, but there's no bubble bubble. So that the players aren't staying in hotels, living with each, you know, in their each room, the door closed, not allowed to move. Uh, it's just normal life, normal, whatever. And it's just like anywhere else to go, you know, wear your mask six feet apart. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So 
when this happened, uh, the Canadians were set to play Edmonton in that first game of the three-game set. Uh, we talked about this in the last episode, how important it was for the Canadians to get off on the right foot. Uh, how, uh, However, unfortunately, uh, by 5 p.m., there were two names on the COVID list, which normally wouldn't signal the end of a game. However, uh, because the, the league couldn't do the full proper contact tracing, they postponed the one game, which in my opinion is, was a, was a good thing. Safety wise, if you're unable to ensure the safety of the players, don't let them move on. So yeah, cancel that one game. And then I guess they found more information on the contact tracing that there was some contact amongst the team members that there could have been a possible exposure or, just to be on the safe side, they waited the, they canceled everything during that six day span, which is the incubation period. So by doing it this way, they minimize the number of games they have to cancel. So now the Canadians are all staying home. They're all trying to isolate as best they can. And the league is waiting for that incubation period to come and go with some, I think it's two negative tests. Apparently, uh, Yoel Armia tested positive twice. And uh, Kotkaniemi, because he's bas- he basically lives at Armia's house, God only knows why. You know, being, too, uh, being a young Finnish hockey player, going to the veteran Finnish hockey player's home, makes perfect sense. So, yeah, so he's exposed to him. He's on the list now because there's that obvious exposure. Now we wait. So. Now, there's been no word on whether Kotkami tested positive or not. It's just been yeah. yeah. So also, if you have a positive test, you have to do another test 24 hours later, whether yeah. that's negative or positive. And then you have to do a third test, which they check to see if negative is positive. I believe it's the next day. Maybe it's three days in a row. Now, if you get a false positive, you have to have three po- negative tests before they release you and say, okay, it was a false it was a false positive. Um, my guess is Omriya has COVID. That's my guess. Or he has uh, tested positive. It could be a false positive. but It could uh, be. It could be. But he's tested positive. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go. And I I don't know if canceling the entire series was the best move, but I get why they did it. It's I don't, because of the I, six days. Right. And I don't know enough about what they didn't really release what the other information was that they got. No. I'm assuming more players on Montreal came into contact with Armia and Kotkaniemi than, you know. But but I ch- I just logged in before we started recording. Yeah. Uh, it's Wednesday, 7 p.m. Atlantic. Uh, just before logging in, uh, while coming on and doing the show, I logged into the uh, the NHL media to check to see um, who the, the COVID list. And as of right now, it is still only Armia and Kotkaniemi yeah. on the COVID list for the Canadians. That means everyone else tested negative on their COVID test for today. Yeah. And they do do a COVID test pretty much every day. So they will be now for sure. Yeah. So um, I believe they play Sunday's their next game or is it? Uh, uh, no, that, 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 one's that one was canceled as well. As well. So yeah. it's Tuesday, I think. Yeah. yeah. So that would against leave Ottawa. three games against Ottawa. Yeah. So, and if anyone's wondering if they're going to be able to make up the games or not, it's not win percentage, it's point percentage. So it takes into value the loser point. Uh, I just found that out earlier today. I thought it was win percentage, but I guess it's not. 
I could be wrong. I could stand corrected. But uh, I believe it's points percentage because it gives them a better base of because I mean right now Montreal's win percentage I think is the best in the la- in the division. If you because the win percentage does take into account the loser point, it's just the wins versus the loss, and that's your percentage. So I, they do it by points percentage because it takes into the consideration that uh, which puts Montreal in fourth, category, which puts them in fourth. Yeah, they pretty much stay where they're at. So um, there's talk of perhaps doing makeup games at the end of the season and delaying the playoffs. Um, I don't know if that's going to work because you've got a lot of teams that have a lot of games missing. So if they delay the playoffs by say another week, now we're pushing the playoffs, the end of the playoffs, possibly buttressing up right up against the, uh, uh, the entry, the entry draft, which is something they don't want to do. They don't want to have to reschedule everything down the line again. So My expectation is if it's just one or two games, sure, they, they could figure that out. But um, with the number of games that have been missed throughout the league, I think they're going to end up going with the points percentage as, as their, their end all. There was talk, too, of Edmonton's next trip out east that they could fit them in between other games. But I think it's just going to be or Montreal plays more games when they go out west against Edmonton. Uh, but then you're looking at back-to-back-to-back games, and then you're looking at it's just going to be, yeah, it would kill both teams basically. So it would go against, uh, their, the, uh, the CBA. There's a certain Correct. number of games that they are allowed to play in a certain time frame, yeah. And by stuffing them in there, it just, it just contravenes their agreement. So yeah. I don't see that happening either. So, I mean, I'm okay with the point percentage thing. Uh, I'm not worried about it. Uh, I think they're going to have to do it from some of the American divisions just for the simple fact that some yep. have missed a lot of games, especially I think it's the central. Um, so it's just the way it is. And really I'd rather them do this. I'd rather this season be a bit of a shit show and get back to a little bit of normalcy next uh, September. Yeah. That's what I would rather have. Yeah. I mean, Cause when you think about the playoffs, there's a lot of teams that, you know, people complain that, uh, they got screwed over. This team made it. That team didn't because of this or that or whatever. So why would this year be any different? You go by the points percentage. Some teams probably you can say, well, they should have made it, not that team. So it'll be no different from any other year. Well, I mean, look at Montreal and two years ago, 96 points, 14 in the league, didn't make the playoffs. That's right. Yet they were better than two other teams that made the playoffs. So no matter how you do it, it's going to happen. They could even do to satisfy people, depending on who are those bubble teams. They could even go to another 24 team playoffs if they wanted to. I don't see it happening, but they could if they wanted to. Yeah, I don't see that happening either. They, they want to have a normal-ish playoff. And I look at it this way. If they, uh, if they can't figure out how to do this, uh, how to do the COVID protocols properly come playoff time, because they're not doing bubbles. No. They're doing what they've been doing throughout the entire year. If a team, you know, like uh, New Jersey, New Jersey lost, what, nine, ten players at once mm. to COVID. If a playoff team has that happen during the playoffs and the team is done, they're going to, you know, so there's going to be con- uh, there's going to be uh, some interesting, interesting things happening. Uh, That's how much I was going to cop. Every team they play is going to get a their big rash of COVID and they're just going to dominate. Yeah, yeah. I, eh, 
They're going to win nine overtime games to make up for the nine they lost in the regular season. Karma. It's about the karma. <laughs> um, so I guess we can we can segue from from that to continuing with the COVID uh, the COVID talk. So when this incident happened, a certain member of the Montreal media uh, started to point fingers at the players and blaming them for being testing positive, you know, stating that, you know, it's been a year since this has started. We should know better. They should know better. Why are they getting sick? Why are they being exposed? And then making uh, backhanded comments about what was there. And I'm, I'm going to quote him to make sure I get this right, because I was beside myself wondering who the frig says shit like this. Xenophobes. Yeah. Okay. So one, one tweet by this specific person was, if I test positive for COVID-19, feel free to hold me personally responsible. We've had a year to figure this out. That's a long time. Because people are not getting COVID anymore, anywhere else in the world. It's been a full year. Especially not Quebec. Yeah, yeah. Everything's fine now. It's been a year. Uh, the other comment was, was there a large gathering of Montreal's Finnish community in the past few days that I wasn't told about? Well... You're not Finnish, so why would they invite you? And, and nobody likes you, so why would they invite you? Also, it's been a year. No one's getting it anymore, according to you. So basically what I'm saying is you're a fucking asshole. If you're wondering who this is, his first name rhymes with Connor and his last name rhymes with McKenna. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... What kind of moron says this shit? An egotistical, full of himself, thinks he knows no, thinks he does no wrong type of moron, and that's that's exactly what Connor is. Connor is yeah. he's so arrogant and so full of himself. He thinks he speaks the golden word of gods, and then when he realized the backlash on Twitter, he deleted all his tweets. Uh, good thing people screenshotted most of them. And he's made an off-cuff comment on the show saying, well, if I'm here tomorrow because I angered a few people. I mean, seriously, dude, like you should. It, people have been fired from their jobs for less. Yeah. Now, I'm not normally one to call out members of the media for it, being dumb. Like I do dumb shit all the time. I mean, I have said some yeah, dumb true. stuff on Twitter and I've been called out for it. And at the end of it, I looked at it and I'm like, yep, I deserve that. But none of the dumb shit I have said has ever been to this level. And this, this is beyond the pale. You're blaming people for, get, for being exposed to an illness. You have no idea of how people are isolating or not, or how it's, a, it's so it's just so what's wrong with you, man, is what's going through my mind. Uh, like our day jobs, we work in environments where we have to be prepared and we understand the risks with COVID and we have to know all the, all the contact tracing and all the rules. So we're, we're a little bit ahead of the game, I guess, when it comes to understanding what bubbles are, how, how this is spread. But if you're going to be making accusations online about professional athletes that you are 
supposedly paid to cover. Shouldn't you know this stuff? Oh, I think he knows it. He's just trying to be an ass. That's what I think. Yeah, I've I've noticed over the last few years that some people, and he's one of them, like to make shock jock type comments to uh, increase viewership or traffic or and that, all the power to you. You keep doing all that. That whatever works for you, man. Do that. But this this I felt crossed the line. He's looking at clicks. He's looking at retweets. He's looking at follows. He's looking at uh, all this kind of stuff. He's laughing to himself, thinking, look at all the people paying attention to me. And uh, there's ways to do that. I mean, we've gathered a good following without being, well, I've been an ass a couple times on Twitter, but um, yep. but I've never called not anyone like, not out. Like this. Not like that. And if I, if someone calls me out on something like that, please call me out and I will correct myself. Um, but like you, I've said some dumb shit on Twitter and people said, Hey man, that's wrong. You're an idiot. I'm like, yeah, you're kind of right. I was an idiot on that. Wasn't I? And I carry on with my life. And if people don't like what I say, that's fine, but I don't try to be malicious or I don't try to be, uh, at least I don't think I do. And I don't try to put a culture down or make a joke about it. Uh, especially something serious. Um, yeah, but uh, this guy doesn't, this does not surprise me from this guy. This is the way he likes getting his attention. Uh, you know, he's not going to lose his job due to circumstances surrounding that. Uh, he kind of has a in, in there. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, the best thing you can do is just stop listening to him. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. Block him, mute him, quit listening to his show. And, uh, Go on as if life was normal. And normally I would uh, I would ignore him completely and not bring his name up on the show to give him more uh, exposure. But this was just beyond. Like, I could not believe someone actually verbalizing that. No. Or, or worse yet, they put it in writing. He wrote it down and gave it out to the masses as, here you go. Here's the here's the latest nugget from the uh, from, you know, that my head just crapped out. I'm like what the? He just he uh, actually took the time to think about it, and yeah. then wrote it and wrote and hit send. Yeah, uh, I, you know what? <laughs> the guys, the guys a tool, uh, and he always will be a tool. And I'll call him out on. I don't even care. He's an arrogant xenophobic asshole and a conversation and it, it bothers me to the point that yeah, because 690's got a lot of good people working there a lot you know uh sean campbell uh simon salikas there's a lot of really good people that work there mitch melnick chris nyland uh joey alfieri uh, JP O'Connor, like there's a, and anybody else who I haven't named, I'm sorry, but there's a ton of you great people that work there. You don't have to agree with their, with what they're saying. Hell, even Tony Marinara. I mean, I find Tony entertaining. I don't care. Tony, what exactly. Says. He's entertaining. You don't have to agree with I don't the really guy. agree with anything he says, but he's entertaining. Exactly. He's singing, he's yelling. He's, I swear to Christ, he's dancing. Like it, it's an entertaining show. There's good people that work there. And this just drags down 
their names. And I feel bad for them because I love what they do. So don't boycott 690 guys. Just ignore the That's why I said boycott his show. Yeah. I'm not saying boy. I just saying boycott Connor show. Yeah. Just block him. Hell, when he talks, just hit mute on the TSN 690. You can (laughs) you can listen to his co-hosts. That's all good. Just just mute him. Yeah. I mean, his co-hosts aren't going to call him out because, well, you know, you protect your own type of thing. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So I think we've we've uh, given that person enough airtime on our show, which. Yeah. Yeah. There's only room for one asshole on this show, and that's me. That's right. You are a designated asshole. You're the DA. Thank you. I'm the All right, Corey Treg Perry D.A. Wilson. Tabs unfiltered. New name, Treg D.A. Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll segue from there. Um, you know, it's just, this just hurt. It just hurt so much to see that. And shit, you know, those are the screams I used to make when I would cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. You need to try this out for yourself. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code unfiltered20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code unfiltered20. Always use the right tools for the job. Men, start taking notes because it's time to reduce those cuts on your nuts. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. <laughs> this, thanks for trying to distract me. This is their third generation trimmer featuring advanced skin safe technology so you can keep your boy, bad boys nice and smooth. The Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And they spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to shave in the shower as well. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. And let's not forget the charging stand. Show off your your mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So many people have written in stories about how the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer has changed their lives. They even included pics so you could see the smoothness for yourself. And they aren't kidding. I mean, okay, I'm going to off script. Uh, Don't send me pictures. I I don't want I was was just taking a few. (laughs) So Treg, pick the phone back up. Don't, don't. So many people here, buddy. So you need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code unfiltered20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That is get 20% off with free shipping and use the code unfiltered20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code unfiltered20. Always use the right tools for the job. And don't send me pictures. That's why I was distract, distracting with Kylo Ren so I can get a few pictures done here and then send it <laughs> off to you. Well, I don't think your camera has the zoom feature set high enough. 
Hey, once you get rid of that bush, the trunk looks bigger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Another reason to buy it, I guess. There you go. See? There you go. Uh, all right. So we've talked about we've talked about penises. We talked about uh, shaving. Get you see what I said there. I see what you said there. Yeah. Uh, now we're going to talk about the trade deadline. Um, we're three weeks out from the trade deadline. There's uh, there's the 14 day uh, quarantine that has to be involved in there if you're coming up from the states, and the Canadians basically have lost this week for their games. So, is this a good time to make a move? It's a perfect time to make a move. I agree. Just like when they had the week off, was the best time to fire their coach and hire a new one. And they didn't. And they didn't. And I don't expect them to make any moves this week either. Although ha- Habs tonight, or Dale Weiss's new... Yeah. he did. They did mention that they thought their insider says they think the move's going to be made today. So Now, but Habs unfiltered insider. Insider. Yeah. With multiple there's R's. Move, there's going to be a move made either tonight or sometime before the 12th. Or not. Or not. I can't believe that one. That one makes more sense to me. Yeah. See, to me, that one, that there's some, there's some really in-depth research that went into that one. We got a guy in deep. We, 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 we have a guy that's in deep with the team. Balls deep. Thanks to Manscaped. (laughs) Thanks to Manscaped. And he came out and he said, oh, shit's about to go down. Or not. Or it won't. If it doesn't happen, it's not going to happen. That's basically what he said. Yeah. That made sense to me. And you can take that to the bank. Yeah. You can put money on that if you want. Yeah. Like there's, that's, that's truly worthy of the insider title. Now, Elliot Friedman, who. Who's an actual insider. Who's an actual insider said that he still believes Bergman's in on outcome. Yeah. I listened to his podcast, uh, and he said, no one is buying what Bergevin is selling. Yeah. You know, the, the last uh, press conference where Bergevin was talking about, well, you know, we're, we're kind of up against the cap. Maybe, maybe not. And we talked about it on the show. Yeah. With him, with Bergevin, it's, you got to read between the lines a little bit and listen to what he is not saying, what words he is not using. And, and we, we said that it sounded like he is shopping. And Friedman confirm that so he's not selling anything no no he's a buyer uh but i think uh i you know what i'm not expecting anything big but i'm also kind of expecting something big it's really weird like um i'm in that whole i don't really expect him to do anything but i think he realizes this team is one or two players away from really making a splash yeah. And now I see everyone's crying for Ekholm. I'm going to blame you for that. Um, <laughs> I've only been talking but, about it for like four weeks. But Ekholm really isn't a puck moving defenseman. Uh, um, he's not the the point generating type. He's not Edmondson, but he's not. And bear with me when I say this. He's not Mete. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Like he, he's not. He does, yeah. He's, he's not more the of puck a puck mover. He's not the puck mover everyone thinks he is. Um, yeah. 
So, and Laurie made a good point about Echo. Like, he'd be great to get. Don't get me wrong. He'd be a great to get a perfect pairing for, for Weber if you want to keep him on that top line, which I have an article coming out that says maybe you shouldn't. Anyway, um, but he's not the puck mover that we need, in my opinion. We need a guy like Vince Dunn. Yeah, you're, guy... you're talking more about style of correct. Correct. I'm talking more about style. We need a guy who's a PK Subban. Not that I think we should bring PK Subban back, but that type of style. <laughs> Not to get radioed. Yeah. You know, no, I don't think we should get PK Subban. I don't think he's going to help anything. I think it'd be funny and ironic, but I don't think it's going to help anything. Yeah. Um, but we need that style of, of playmaker. Like you're, you're not going to see at home. You're, he's not the guy who's going to take the puck from his own end and dipsy doodle through the neutral zone and set up in the offensive zone and give you a scoring chance. But he is going to be the upgrade that we need that could get us to the next step. Yeah, if that makes yeah. sense. Damn see, on. with with me, it's it's not so much the style of puck mover. I mean, Ekholm is more of a uh, he'll move the puck by making a quick, accurate pass mm-hmm. as opposed to Dunn who uses his feet, who can make a pass, but he likes to carry. Uh, so you're looking at different styles. For me, it's not about the style. It's more about the actual cost to acquire them. So in Ekholm's case, we're looking at guaranteed a first, a high-end prospect, and a good young player. And it's going to have to be off the roster because the Canadians need to move money out to be able to fit all 3.75 million of Ekholm in. So is it going to be someone like a Lekkonen? And paling to go with a first, are we willing to pay that for a, a season and a little bit of Ekholm? I, I guess that all depends on too if the other team feels paling's a high end prospect. Well, and that's the thing. They're good. Clearly, if I'm David Poyle, the first name I ask for is Caulfield. Correct. And, and if I, I believe, oh, go ahead. Yeah, if I'm Bergevin, I hang up the phone immediately because that's yeah. a no go for that level of player in a trade. Well, and I don't think, and I'm not, nothing is at home. I don't think Caulfield, if we were getting maybe Rasmus Dahlin from Buffalo or yeah, exactly. something like that, then sure. I would throw Caulfield in that deal any day of the week. Um, people may argue with me about that and may say, Oh, I wouldn't give up Caulfield. Caulfield's, as much as I think he's going to succeed in the NHL, Dolan's a proven left-handed puck-moving defenseman that could help quarterback your power play. Who's likely to become a star. Not in Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> right? But Caulfield is... We don't know what we're going to get out of him. We, have, well, we really don't. At we the do. same time, Buffalo. at the same time, we kind of do. He's, he's a goal scorer. He has mm-hmm. scored at every level he's been at. Um that's a skill set that the Canadians have been sorely lacking for many years. Just like a power forward, we've been missing a sniper. Like Pacioretty was a sniper, but he not was basically like on his own. He yeah, wasn't it, a sniper like this. No, not like this, but he was a goal scorer. Um, Caulfield is going to be a goal scorer. How much he scores, that's that's up for debate. 74 goals in his first season. <laughs> but... Um, 
but that's that's the kind of game that he's going to bring when he finally makes it to the NHL, be it next year or the year after. Um, so that's not a skill set that you want to give up just you know just for, for just anyone. anything. But yeah. like I say, if you can get a guy like Dolan, Kale McCarr, you know what I mean? Like a good young, then I would have no issue with it. Exactly. Not for a guy like Ekholm. I'm not going to give him he's up. He's not for untouchable, a... but he yeah. is almost untouchable. Not not for a 30-year-old defenseman who, yeah, you know, who's going so, to be a free agent in a year. <laughs> so is, pale, is paling enough? As of a prospect for them, and do does Montreal even want to give up Paling? That's another question. He's having a pretty good season down in Laval right now. So yes, he is. It's almost as if it takes a little bit of time for players to develop. Sometimes, or you know, you get the right coach on the player to, you know, help him with his, uh, you know, a coach that we could lose, but that's a different story. Anyway, um, <laughs> back to the trade deadline. I like I said before. I expect Bergevin to do a couple moves. I'm expecting nothing too big, but in the back of my head, I'm expecting something really huge too. So, and that's why I, I mentioned just, I mentioned Dunn in an article about the trade deadline that I wrote for Hockey Writers. Um, he is 25, 26 years old. He is a, a young puck moving defenseman, left wing or left side. Um, so. He fits a lot of, he's got a lot of checks in the boxes. He's an RFA at the end of the season. His contract is a 1.87. I think the qualifying offer for him is 2.1. So if you just qualify him at 2.1, he's a guy who can play on the second pairing. So he's, he's inexpensive. He fills a need. Uh, he would complement the current crop of defensemen that we have. And it would buy time for some of the younger uh, left-handed prospects. So, he is a fit that way. He would be expensive as well. It would cost a first, but I don't think giving up a first is a big deal for Bergevin this year. And like we said, listen to what he says and doesn't say. He yeah. never said his draft picks or his first was off the table. He never said any of his prospects were off the table. As in previous years when he said, I am not bargaining the future for something right now. I think if you give him a first and maybe throw in a guy like Lekkinen or something like that, who's also an RFA at the end of the year, um, you that looks good on the on St. Louis side. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe St. Louis doesn't want to give up Dunn. Although the, I've been there's been rumors that he's being shopped. But uh, yeah, uh, it depends on what St. Louis wants. What do they need? What do they want? Uh, is a guy like Lekkinen what they want, or do they want someone like say? Toffoli or you know what I mean like yeah I don't see them going for that they're no I don't I'm just cap too I'm just trying to think um, of someone who could fit in there that's not with the injuries they've sustained this year they do need uh they do need bottom six forwards that are reliable uh and you know guys like Lekkanen definitely fits that mold uh, I don't see a first being added to Lekkanen to get a to get a Vince done. So obviously, you know, if you're not going to be if you're going to be giving up Lekkanen, you're 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 not giving up your first. So there's some there's some wiggle room in there on value, but yeah, that's generally what they're looking at. They're, either they get rid of the contract altogether, 
or you put a package together with another left-handed defenseman that can fill a bottom pairing role, you know, like a Kulak or a Mete mm. plus something else. But if you're giving up a Lekkinen, uh, I would guess it'd be like a late, late, late pick, you know, like maybe a fifth or a sixth rounder, something along the line. It's that kind of value. So, um, yeah. And at the deadline, if they wanted to really make a splash and they really wanted to make a big move, I would be calling Chicago and offering them a couple of extra picks to take Byron off, off our hands. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then they could go after a hula or someone else at, yeah. at center. Or, this, this is what's going to happen. They're going to get hula done and echo. <laughs> there you go. Our insider, insider has called it. There's seven R's in Byron, Lekkonen, the first. Two late draft picks. Two second rounders and a sixth rounder. For Ekholm, Dunn, and Hula. Yeah, no, all anything past the... So it's all third rounders, uh, bottom-tiered bottom uh, prospects. All our garbage. Uh, all the garbage, <laughs> and we're going to get all this shit. Yeah. That's how we're rolling. That's what our insider is telling us. Yeah, he is. Uh, and if you don't believe him, he is Eklund's cousin, three times removed. Wait, just wait. I'm just getting something from our insider. Yeah. Oh, they're throwing in Lindgren for free. <laughs> okay. Lindgren's, Lindgren, Lindgren's gone. There you go. So that, Did they that's... don't even have a team for him. He's just gone. <laughs> Seattle's giving up a first to have Lindgren. <laughs> According to the insider, <laughs> and Demchenko is going to the taxi squad. So that's it. That's an H five. <laughs> uh, seriously, though, yeah, none uh, of this shit's I, happening. I see a depth move. Personally, I, I'm looking at a depth move, maybe at center for a fourth line. Yeah, and maybe, maybe a low end puck moving defenseman. Maybe, maybe, and that would be the what... big splash. Yeah. That would be the big splash. Like just an upgrade to what Mete brings to me. That's what it, and it all depends on if Sherratt's back in six or eight weeks. Well, they're expecting him to be back before the end of the season, yeah. which complicates the cap. And that's why you have to, it has to be money in money out kind of deal. Or you call Bowman over in Chicago and say, here's a second and something else. We'll give you for you to take Byron. You give us an AHL contract in return. We're all good. And, and Bowman has said he'd take contracts on. So yeah, as long as you're willing to pay, uh, pay for him to take them. So you got to give him an asset that he really wants. It's not a first round pick level asset. I don't, uh, I don't believe, but you know, a second a prospect, you know, maybe a later round pick as well. And in return, you get yep. an AHL type player. Sure. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, what uh, Bergevin did when he got Armia from Winnipeg. Yeah, he took uh, the goalie there. Uh, Mason. Mason. And, uh, yeah. So, all right. I think uh, I think we've covered that. Uh, so, according to the Habs and Filtered Insider, something may happen or something may not. Stay tuned. Book it. Book it. Um, we may get a, a guest on the show eventually to talk about the deadline and rumors and stuff. But for now... The Habs Unfiltered Insider has you covered. Uh, moving on from that to the other big news this week, 
that'd be Jordan Harris uh, staying in college. So I'm going to be releasing something soon on this, but I'm going to get your two cents on this first. So what do you think of this? I think it was a good choice by Harris. Um, if you actually go back and watch the interview he made at the, uh, at the draft, he said he wanted to finish school before he started his hockey career. So this kind of isn't a surprise. Um, it is to anyone who's not as smart as I am. But uh, so, yeah, so nobody. So it's a surprise to no one. To no one. And I only seen this the other day. So um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I think it's a good move for the kid. Uh, That's what he wanted to do. Uh, And from seeing that interview, it looks like that was his plan all along. Anyway, Evans did the same route. Evans went to, did the three years in university or four years, whatever it was. Four years. Yeah. He seems dedicated. Both sides say they're, they're, they're dedicated to the team uh, that they're, you know, um, mind you, you have to remember he's actually not a free agent. If that's what you want to call him until August 15th. So Montreal has tons of time when the season ends next season or after the NCAA oh, yeah. season ends. So next August season 15th, August 15th, 2022, 2022 is when he could become a free agent and sign with anyone he wants. Um, personally, I don't have Harris that high on my pro- left-handed prospect. Uh, I say he's, I, I see about three guys ahead of him on the left side. Uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, if you take the all the defense overall, I think he's around sixth or seventh. If you include Brooke, the right side too. Um, some people disagree with that. Some guy on Twitter vehemently disagreed with that. He's quite <laughs> shocked that I said I didn't have him that high, and that's fine. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't think this is uh, – it's not going to hurt his career, and I don't think it's going to hurt Montreal either. Yeah. Um, see, I, I was – I mentioned that the, the Harris watch was on when Northeastern was eliminated from uh, the NCAA selection. Um, and, and I it was, kind of, yeah, and it was, and I kind of expected him to sign, but then when he didn't and gave the reasons he did, like you, I looked back at what he was saying in the past and different, everything pointed to him wanting to finish school. And now I know a lot of people on social media had been mentioning that, Hey, you can always finish school after your pro career or in the off seasons, but this is someone who places a very high priority on education his parents put a high priority on education Um, and so that that seemed to factor into it but he also when he made his choice made it clear that he uh he they only had a partial season this year so he didn't feel like he got enough development time so another year i don't see a problem with especially because it's going to be a full year next year so we'll, he'll get more playing time. And especially now that he, uh, as of today, was named the captain of the Northeastern Huskies. So he's going there to go back to grow more as a leader, to round out his game. Uh, also, they, uh, they didn't win the Hockey East tournament. And that's something that they were supposed to do this year. So he's got unfinished business there. Um, and he's got a high high value of for education. So you put all that together 
yeah, I can see why he chose to stay. And everything he has been saying, uh, nothing points to him wanting to go the route of a, a Jimmy VC or a Fox or anyone else who may have walked away. I mean, you can probably look back at, and out of a thousand uh, drafted players to the NCAA pick out maybe five, 10 players who decided to become free agents, but yeah. that's anecdotal in comparison. And, and I can't see it happening yet, but I'm not discounting that, that fear. I'm just, I don't see it coming. I, I don't either. I think he's going to stay from everything he said. I mean, a lot of people don't believe what the team says, so whatever. But yeah. uh, um, I just don't see it. I think he just wants to finish his school. And I'm willing to bet once his school season ends, he's signing with the Canadians. Got to go and play some games in Laval before the season's over. And yeah. Bob's your uncle. Um, and like when I say, I, I think there's guys higher on the list than he is. I think Norlander's higher on the list. I think Struble's higher on the list. I think Gooley's higher on the list. Um, that's just my personal yeah. look at things. I've seen other lists where some other – you go to Dauber and he's not – he's like sixth or seventh on the list for defensemen. Uh, you know, not saying he won't be higher next season. I'm just saying – and I'm not saying, I'm. you know, who cares? I don't care if I lose. I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying in the grand scheme of things, you can't keep everyone. Uh you know, like you're not going to keep. Uh, you got Leskin in. You got off Olafson. You got uh, Fairbrother or uh, Fairbrother. Yep. Yeah, Fairbrother. Yep. Uh, you got uh, Gooley, Norlander, Romanov. You know, you got a ton of left-handed defensemen in their system right now, uh, and Harris is one of them. And he's probably looking at that too. He's probably looking at that list of all these left-handed defensemen and thinking, where where am I going to fit in if I sign now? Right? Like, yeah. am I going to be just rotated into every third game of a Laval game, or am I going to get full-time minutes? And uh, that probably went into it. I personally think, I personally think they knew all along they were going to go back to school, but. You know, well, they, the they weighed their were, options. Yeah, the way things were looking, though, with the Canadian from the Canadian side, uh, the rumors were that they had offered him uh, an NHL game to help burn off a year of his contract. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, stuff like that. So maybe they it, they they upped their offer to get him to try and entice him to sign, but at the end of the day, he chose to go back to school. Um, and I have him a little higher on my list than you have him on yours. So, I mean, and that's neither here nor there at this point. I agree that he probably looked at it and said, well, there's there's seven, eight names here. Am I able to beat them out right now? Do I need a little bit more developmental time? Uh, you know, that probably played into it, sure. But I, I don't see it as an issue yet. Now... Clearly, his name is going to be involved in trade trade talk on social media from the fans because he didn't sign yet, and it's best to trade him for something that you something of value now. So, yeah, I can see people throwing his name about, especially at the trade deadline. You know, throw him into a trade deal for Ekholm, or I know people are going to be talking about that. But I'm okay. I'm okay with that. But <laughs> I don't. I I just don't see. I don't that. see it happening. Neither do I. But. Uh, that doesn't, I, you know, that what? doesn't mean I, I like um, the kid. Yeah, 
And, and it doesn't mean that uh, Bergevin doesn't have a, a, a tough decision coming up in the next year or two, because like you said, there is a ton of good prospects and there's only so many contracts to go around. So maybe it is time to start trading away some of these good young names, especially for a defenseman that you need right now. Um, so yeah, I've that covers everything I wanted to say about it. What about you? Uh, nope. The insider says Harris isn't getting traded. So we should all just shut up or he might. Yeah. Or, or he might get traded in, so a, keep blockbuster, in a blockbuster deal for, for Leo Komarov. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ovechkin's a free agent next year, so you know he's going to be on the top of – or the year after next, he's going to be on yeah. the top of everyone's list of going to Montreal. Or Toronto. Yeah. Well, he's from Toronto, so that's why he would go to Toronto yeah. via Russia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he flew he, into Toronto when he yeah. first got here. <laughs> He said, I love Toronto the first time he saw it. <laughs> yeah. it greatest city ever. Um, yeah. I love, I love their giant butt plug over by where they play baseball. Yeah, they call that, a, is that a tower? It, it's, I guess. What is that called? CN Tower, yeah. CN Tower, yeah. It's a train tower. <laughs> Choo-choo. <laughs> Speaking of trains and getting run over by a train... Tim Peel. The league just ran him over. He put him on the tracks. He was a doe-eyed, wide-eyed referee just standing on the tracks, and he got run over. NHL using him as an example of how they're cleaning up the referee. Yeah, or as most people would call it, a scapegoat. Right. Um, I, I listened to his comments, and I kind of be interested to see now I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. So okay. his first comment was, I wanted to give Predators a fucking penalty earlier on. Now my question is, was it on a play that could have went either way? And he wanted to give him the penalty, but he decided not to. So later on, he had another penalty that could have went either way, and he called it as a penalty. It was a makeup call. It was a clear makeup call. I get that, but yeah, that's why I'm throwing this little devil's advocate thing in here. Sure, you know, was it really a makeup call, or was it him just covering yeah. for a call he didn't call earlier? It's right? a makeup call. Uh, and I'm just trying. I'm trying here, Tim. Tim, I'm trying. <laughs> but here's the thing: I'm not saying that the call was bad. I mean, it was kind of a penalty. I mean, based on the shit that we've seen through the year, throughout the league. Uh, it's not the worst penalty called. No. Or not called. You know? It's just that where he said it and people heard it. That's right. Pretty, it he admitted mic. it was a makeup call. Yep. He admitted whether it, it was a call he didn't call earlier, so he called it now. It's still a makeup call. Yeah. And the reason Regardless. he's been suspended with pay for another month, not fired, is because it was a hot mic. It was overheard. Yeah. People heard it. Uh, so the league being you know, very, very much about ethics and values and loyalty. And yeah, no, no, I can't even get through that. It's obvious they threw him under the bus because it was overheard. Had no one heard that it was not on a hot mic. He would still be officiating today. It's, it's just like, uh, 
Listen, I uh, I think the roughing in the NHL is terrible. Um, yep. Not just in the North Division, in every division this year. Uh, I don't know why it seems worse than it has other, other years. I'm sorry, but it has. Um, but I think the NHL is turning a blind eye to the bad officiating. I don't think they're doing enough to... Now, if you uh, watch baseball or football or something like that, officiating and the umpiring is really looked at like you know you you know the worse you are the less games you put you do and you get paid by the game so you don't get paid to sit home and do nothing um in the nhl it's almost like there's no accountability for the referee none whatsoever maybe they just have a really strong union i don't know but it almost seems like they can make whatever calls they want and no one's going to say anything. You're not allowed to say anything at a press. You're not allowed to say anything at a press conference about it. No. Coaches can't vent, or else they get fined. Players can't vent, or else they get fined. Right. So who's holding the referees accountable for their actions and what they do? And then the NHL comes back and says, "Well, uh, they don't get to do playoff games if they don't do very well." Okay, big deal. Tim Peel did not do many <laughs> playoff games. Let's just put it uh, put that out there. He did not do many playoff games, but he still did nine hundred and some odd freaking uh, regular I still season. I think NHL over games. a thousand NHL games. Okay, over a yep. thousand NHL games then. So he did enough. Uh, he also did two Winter Classics. Um, yeah. And Tim Peel, if you're a fan and you watch hockey, everyone knows Tim Peel is. Everyone rolled their eyes when they knew Tim Peel was going to do the hockey game. Because you knew yeah. something, you know, it's, it's no different than uh, that other guy who hates Montreal or everyone thinks he hates Montreal anyway. Chris Lee. Uh, Chris Lee. Um, I'm not going to, I don't want to paint all refs with the same brush. I really don't. I don't think all refs are like Tim Peel. I don't think uh, anything like that. But this puts a glaring light, a glaring light on the referees and if a if a if a referee of over a thousand games can pretty much admit on a hot mic that he's biased then he's not the only one well i mean look who's running the show there you've got uh you got campbell as the guy calling the shots so colin campbell whose son played in the nhl for the bruins and was caught uh, calling Mike, uh, Mark Savard uh, a diving bitch mm. in emails. He wrote this in emails. So if you don't, just look uh, look it up. You just Google this. This stuff happened back in about 2010, 2011, just before the Bruins won the cup, around the time Savard was hit. Uh, he took that blindside hit. So, you know, the the guy running the show is hardcore biased. And can you trust him to hold uh, officials to account? And we can, we can talk until the cows come home about, well, this referee and that referee are good or bad or whatever. But with the NHL poised to take on uh, betting sites as partners where they want to allow sports betting on their games if the officiating of that sport is called into question as often as it has been, and clearly with this little scandal 
will continue to be, uh, how much are sp- uh, sports betting sites, uh, you know, casinos, big name casinos, uh, big name companies willing to invest in the NHL? I mean, you look at the, the billions of dollars that the NFL makes off of sports betting, and the NHL wants a little piece of that pie. Well, the difference between the NHL and the NFL is the NFL actually holds its officials accountable. They make it public. It's transparent. Yeah, yeah, they screw up. They have to admit it. And after they they screw up a couple of times, they're fired. Are we going to yeah. see that here? No. That's that's the thing. And we've been we've talked about officiating on this show for years. How it's the inconsistencies that bug us. And. I was just reading something while you were talking there about it. He was actually telling Philip Fordberg on the bench when he was hot mic. Yeah. So he was actually telling the other team. Yeah. That actually he was calling telling Nashville, I was going to call you a penalty earlier, but I didn't. So now I'm calling you one now. That's basically saying. Yeah. To the team. I'm fucking you over. Yes. And no, I mean, this is something that, a lot of referees do and no one can say that they don't come on. Yeah. There's always makeup calls. There's makeup calls in the international game. There's makeup sure. calls in the NHL. Sure. And and a makeup call can be something from, well, I gave that team a bad call. I fuck, you know, I messed yeah. up on a call on that team. I'm going to give you a weak call over here. Yeah. If you're a good referee, you take a marginal call that could go either way. And you say, you know what? I'm going to call that. You know, it, it, I, I could have let it go, but you know what? I gave them a marginal call last game, last period. You know what I mean? It's, you know, the 15-minute mark. It's not going to decide the game. I'm calling that, right? Exactly. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with letting things go as long as it's done on both sides. There's nothing wrong with calling everything as long as it's called on both sides. That's how it should be done. I mean, if we're being honest, if the referees actually played to the rule book we'd be playing five on four hockey pretty much the entire game. Well, see, and this is where, uh, what I'd like to see is, yeah, sure. Call it by the rule book, but at the same time, you know, you give a little leeway. So, you know, referee a will always call the little slash in the hands, but if he calls it in the first period, he's calling it in the third period. It doesn't matter which team's doing it. Consistency in how the game is officiated. That's what we're looking for. Cause these are people, they're human beings. You're going to miss stuff. It happens. Now, uh, Pierre Maguire came up with a pretty good thing. And, uh, you know, you know how much I love Pierre Maguire, but, uh, yeah, you got to give credit where credit's due. He has a really good idea. You take one of the officials off the ice and you make them an eye in the sky. You put them up in the press box. They're the off ice official. They're mic'd. They can talk to the officials on the ice and they can go through in real time and tell them, Hey, this is happening. That's happening over here. Is that a goal? Or is that not a goal? And we can save a ton of time by having the off ice official do the review. That's what lacrosse does. That's what the NLL does. With exactly. Off, off floor official who does the reviews, does all the, now he doesn't tell them what's a penalty or not a penalty, but any type of goal review or any type of, uh, you know, play review because you can challenge in lacrosse that it's the off ice official right there in the rink that does it. Who's been watching the play that does, does the review. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, that's actually a great idea. I think that is a good idea. Um, but like we said before, you have uh, official A who always calls a little slash on the wrist. If both teams know that, hey, Chris Lee there always calls this slash on the wrist, we should not do that slash on the wrist. However, he doesn't call the little hook. He doesn't call the little hook that you do when he's, when he's going yeah. through. And if it's not right. a scoring chance that's being taken away, fine. And that's why I was, I was just going to say that, Blaine. I am okay with the refs letting things go as long as the penalty isn't taken away a scoring chance or scoring opportunity. Personally, that is the best time to call a penalty. I wouldn't, you know, I've refed in lacrosse. I've never refed in uh, hockey, but I never really called anything that was not affecting the play that wasn't major unless I thought it would let the game would get out of hand because of what was going on. So if I seen a little hook over here on one who's insignificant to the play or and lacrosse, there's no hooking, but you know, whatever uh, a penalty, then I would say, I'd be like, you know what? I don't care about that. Now, if it yeah. was to someone who's, you know, trying to make a pass and someone comes in with a, a stupid slash or contrary to belief, there is cross checking in lacrosse. Um, if I think that was a too hard of a hit, then I would call it because it, it took away a scoring chance. Um, but that's the only time I would call a penalty. And I, I would like to believe the NHL is similar to that, but I just find there's too much. A take it away a scoring penalty or if someone could have gotten hurt on the play, that's when I would call the penalties. Yeah, and those little, uh, like the hits that we've been seeing lately that are not being called, uh, that's where that off ice official would come into play. So, in, you know, yeah. he first stop it, she'd be able to call down and say, Hey, look guys, this guy did this. We really need to get him off the ice or whatever. Player safety could help with that too. If they'd actually, you know, did their job, put up fines and did their job and maybe talk to the refs and said, Hey, this is uh this is not good. Well, I find so. the refs have been fairly good overall with these kinds of things. They're the ones calling the five minute majors. They, they are. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm not, I mean, I'm not against what they did to Tim Peel in this case because of the hot mic. He got caught, but that's, that's why this happened is because he got caught. It doesn't caught. fix the problem. No, it does it's not. It's a band-aid on the, it's a band-aid is what it is. Especially for someone who is retiring within the month. So it's obvious, well, this guy's walking off in the sunset anyway. Let's just pretend that we're doing something. Well, here's the next question. If he was not retiring in a month, would they be sending him home? to not referee again for the rest of the year. That's, you know, I would more than likely believe, I would more likely believe he would probably get a week or two off. Yeah. And then they'd be like, okay, don't do that again. But where he is retiring at the end of the year and they knew that they're just like, Hey Tim, you did something, you screwed up. So here's what we're going to do. You go home. You're still going to get paid. You're not going to do any more games, but you're getting an early retirement. Yeah, you don't get to do the walk off in the sunset after a game yeah. like other yeah. referees have had to had the opportunity to do, which so. you know kind of sucks for him because he put in a lot of years. You know he deserves a little sure. bit of a, a handshake and a thanks thanks for coming out. But yeah, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think anything real would have happened had he not been in a retirement mode anyway. Uh, they would have said, "Oh, we're going to lo- investigate, look into it. He's probably going to miss a few games, and that yeah. would be that would be yeah. the end of it." And then they would come out with a little. Batman would come out with a little thing like, "We're really going to look into refereeing and how we can improve it." Well, he's going to have to do that now. Like I mentioned with the sports betting, that's 
that's a multi-billion dollar industry that is at their fingertips. And with a league that's lost so much revenue, it, to have the opportunity to recoup some of that with sports betting, you know damn well they're going to have to at least do, pay lip service to it this yeah. summer. Yeah, it's uh, and I, again, I'm not against what happened to Tim Peel, but I do truly believe if he wasn't retiring, it wouldn't be. It yeah, wouldn't and be at the same time, wrist. at the same time, I think Tim Peel got screwed. He was the per, per, uh, he was the fall boy. He was the yep. uh, you know, hey, oh, you got Mike, you got caught. You know what? We're going to show everyone that we're doing something about this. Yeah. How dare you, Tim Peel? You've hurt the integrity of this game. Oh, by the way, we're not firing you. You just just take your retirement early. When in my view, the real issue is not the officials themselves. It's the people running, officiating. People like Colin Campbell. Because issues like this are systemic. And when there's systemic issues, it is not the individuals at the bottom that are the problem. It is those in charge. Right. Now, don't ask me. Yeah, I mean, don't ask me how I know how that's the truth. You know, being in a large organization for a day job such as ours. What guys at the top of our uh, profession of our do anything wrong? I'm so glad I'm not a general. Anyway, um... oh yes, it's uh, definitely target practice uh, recently. No, but there's there's systemic issues, and systemic issues can only be addressed by those at the top. And, and that's true. You get someone in the top that wants to change those systemic issues. He puts out a plan to change those and he implements it. Or right. you get a guy at the top who's like, oh, we got a lot of issues, eh, but they're not really hurting anything. We're going to pay lip service to it and do nothing. Yes, Which so. this little this little scenario, this little issue that's come up with uh, Tim Peel and the makeup calls, we all know makeup calls have been happening for forever. He just got caught. So this is lip service. There's no, there is no systemic downward view. This is a lip service action. That's why I think in, in this case, Tim Peel kind of got screwed on this one uh, mm. being because they're making him to be the fall guy for something that happens all the time. And he'll go down in history as the ref to cheat. One of, yeah. yeah. He's well, not as bad as, he's not as bad as that linesman that held Maurice Richard in the, uh, in the Boston brawl before the riots, but no, but I mean, he yeah. will go down as, you know, cause we've caught him. Yeah. You know, every ref there, I'm sure there's been tons of refs through the NHL that cheated. I mean, especially back in the sixties, fifties, forties, fifties, and sixties, um, you know, back yeah. in the day where Maurice Richard could have had probably a hundred points in a season, but he didn't get assists on uh, when he wasn't playing at home. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, yeah, but uh, all right. So I think that pretty much covers everything um, that we had for t- for this episode. Uh, feel free to check out all our past episodes. You know, click on them all you want. Uh, go to our YouTube channel, subscribe, hit that little bell so you don't miss any content. We're still waiting on Treg's um, um, gym selfies. Uh, <laughs> I'll send these pictures on my phone to Blaine soon. So if you want to copy of these pictures, just contact uh, Blaine Poffin. That's They're definitely going po- on YouTube. Posse underscore 70 at gmail.com. Um. 
yeah, so <clears throat> if you have any comments or questions, uh, maybe we can read them on the air for, for our next episode. Send stuff into Habs Unfiltered on Instagram, on Twitter. Habsunfiltered at Outlook.com is the email. Um, yeah, subscribe to YouTube. And remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.